0: So we were talking about how the the kingdom of God was shut up, closed up against ordinary people early in the history of the church. This thing began to appear early, even when John was still alive, and it became rather dominant throughout, the church, throughout church history. And it's what caused the woman, representative of those who followed Christ early on, to be divided into the faithful servants of the Lord who would continue throughout time and this aberrant departure from the truth, defining the activities of the harlot, as the harlot continued to reach for the approval of kings and to dominate the thinking of people by the recreation of more or less a mysterious or mystical church. But let's go back to where the point of departure is noted in the Scriptures. The apostle John is writing in 1 John chapter 2, and he says, "'Little children, it is the last hour,' "'and as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming.' You've heard that eventually the Antichrist is coming. But even now, Many antichrists have come by which we know it is the last hour or the last epoch. We're in the last epoch, he said, it'll culminate with the antichrist. But the spirit of antichrist is already here. Antichrist simply means that which is opposed to Christ. Now what would John identify as central To discerning the spirit of Antichrist versus central to identify those who belong to Christ. He would remind the disciples of the first, of the thing they had heard from the beginning, which was, Love one another as I have loved you. That's, it's here, it's it's the subject matter of this writing. So those who would persist in loving one another would acknowledge... the basis of loving one another, you know, is the acknowledgement of the Christ in the other. Don't tell me you love Christ whom you have not seen and yet you hate your brother in whom Christ lives. The question is, how does the love of God dwell in you? So already the spirit of antichrist was the opposition or the failure to recognize Christ in the other. Because if you don't recognize Christ in the other, what does that do to the body of Christ? It savages it. What holds us together as the body of Christ is the recognition by the one Concerning the other, of the Christ in the other. So you address that person with the dignity, with the honor that you would, re- with which you would with which you would address Christ, even if he's taken in a fault. According to Galatians, if a brother is taken in a fault, Galatians 6, you who are spiritual you are not caught up in the fault yourselves. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness humility, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, which is, love one another as I have loved you. 1 Corinthians 12 makes it abundantly clear that the body is one but it's comprised of many members. And that each one has been placed in the body as Christ foreordained their placement. So, the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, is designed to recognize Christ in his appearing in each of the individual parts. When we do that, we preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As in, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and so on. But the spirit of Antichrist begins with, begins the manifestation with a desire for preeminence. So we use church offices and we we use these powerful sounding phrases to create exclusivities and by that to create divisions between clergy and laity. When the word clergy comes from the word cleru, clergy, it means to have an allotment, meaning you have an inheritance every member of the body of Christ has an inheritance. Paul said to the, to the uh, Ephesians, chapter 1, he said, I'm writing to tell you about three things. Number one, what is the hope of His calling? Number two, what is His glorious inheritance in the saints? Number three, what is the working of His mighty power on behalf of those who believe? it's like when He raised Jesus from the dead, seated Him at His right hand, far above all rule and authority and any title that may be given, not only in the present age but in the age to come, and put everything under the feet of Christ and made Him to be head over all things for the church which is His body. Anytime, someone suggests that clergy, has to do with officials and that laity- these are inventions, distortions of the original Greek words. Klerou is the root word for clergy and it means to have an inheritance because you are a son. The Spirit of Antichrist does not recognize your sonship, the Spirit of Antichrist does not recognize your gift from God, your inheritance. It heaps it all up to itself and makes the clergy the arbiters of all things related to God. This is the doctrine of demons. Here's what Paul had to say, uh, 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 John had to say about that. They went out, we know their antichrist has come. They're against Christ. The way to be against Christ is to be against the body of Christ. You can't be against Christ in the world today without being against the body of Christ. Right? That's why it's relevant when he says, "...they went out from us." They used to belong to us. This woman contained both true believers and heretics and after a while, as time went on, the heretics began to make their play for preeminence over their brothers and violated the first and greatest, in fact the only commandment Christ ever really gave us. A new commandment I give you, He said, Love one another by laying down your life for the other, because that's how He did. Love one another as I have loved you, greater love has no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for His friends, that's how we ought to love one another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. John said the spirit of antichrist has already come and it's how we know those who belong to Christ how we know those who belong to Satan, who are the seed of God and who are the seed of the devil. And by the way, he names Cain, over in chapter 3 of the same book, he names Cain as one of the primary seeds of the devil because he kills his brother, Abel. And he uses the context of Cain's murder of Abel to identify Cain as the son of the devil. That's what started to happen in the church. That's why the woman divided into those who continued to follow Christ and those who sought the favor of kings. And one became the continued to and has become the mature and maturing body of Christ, and the other has become an intractable harlot. Here. This is is how John put it, "...they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us." So the early church, even in the early... this is no surprise that even in the early church, like the present church, there are those who are faithful to God and there are those who are long for the ride. There are those who have an absolute conviction of the truth and have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and those who are playing church, even in the present church. But aside from that, there has been historically a development of a spirit of antichrist that wages war against christ and that's the harlot to whom those who are still among us but have never bought in they want the benefits of being the bride of christ but they're not willing to submit to christ therefore they're not a bride wives submit to your own husbands as unto the lord if you will not submit to the lord you're not the bride of christ and there's already a fully developed alternative historically and eventually in this shakeout people will fall into the two existing camps the bride of christ and the harlot Going on, he said, "...but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and that no lie is in the truth." Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and the Father. Well what was this from the beginning? Well John is the one telling us in uh, chapters 13 through 16 what the new commandment was. John is the one who's telling us in chapter 17 where Jesus says, Father, let them be one in the fashion in which You and I are one, let them be one in us, You are in Me, I am in You, let them be one in us by letting them be one assembled to Me and I am in You, therefore they are assembled to You. Let them be one in us that the world might believe that You sent Me and have loved them as You have loved Me. This strikes right at the core of the original intent, the mandate for which God created human beings. A man in the image and likeness of God who presents the nature of the Father, puts the nature of the Father on display so that if you see this man headed by Christ, you will see the Father. For Jesus said, "'I've come to show you the Father.'" So that's the perspective But the harlot began by having a heart that separated from the husband who is Christ, seeing instead the possibility of gain by wearing the robes of her history while she flirted with kings. Why would kings want to be associated with that which presents itself as the bride of Christ? Because the way to hold nations together, the way to hold populations together, is not by politics, it's by religion. That's why we have these embedded churches, state churches, they're the church of a people group. I mean, why are there days like St. Patrick's Day? The most quintessential Irish celebration we have a people from Ireland and their quintessential celebration is Saint Patrick's Day? What about Leprechaun Day? <laughs> what about um, Gaelic Day? Things that are more endemic to a people who actually have historically inhabited the land. Why St. Patrick's Day? Because you see, state churches have so wrapped themselves around the identity of people groups that the people groups have no way of understanding who they are aside from the religious descriptions in the form of cultural happenings like feast days and celebrations of one sort or another. I mean, when do families in Ireland, for example, since we're talking about that, but not unique to that, when do they get together? What are the most important things for them to get together around? Christenings. Confirmations, weddings, funerals. Who are the people but for these ceremonies and these celebrations? It's the glue that holds these national identities together and it's all religious. How did it come to be that? Because the harlot, persuaded the kings to adopt these identities assuming that somehow they were related to God, to God. Now this is offensive to people, I know that, because it's saying, other than a religious identification, if you're, from, if you're proud to be of a certain people group, you don't have an identity apart from the religion of that people. I mean, who do Spaniards know themselves to be other than by their religious definitions? Who do Italians know themselves to be? Or the French, or Mexicans? The Lady of Guadalupe, they're all religious stuff. How did they come to be so? Because the proponents of these state religions and people groups wrapped themselves so tightly in the culture of a people that the people then accepted, over time and history, accepted that they were as defined by their religious practices. When the harlot lost her power because she no longer represented Christ, she fluttered her eyes at the kings. They invented notions like the divine right of kings, a very preeminent legal doctrine in England of Henry the 8th the statutes of primunary codified the divine right of kings to rule as by the hand of god and the kings exploited the people on the basis of this alleged divine right. Hereditary rights were then conflated with priestly rights and the kings became the vassals of God. Now the Scriptures do say that God appoints the kings Now if the meaning of that is that they are all God's vassals, then God is represented by the activities of the kings. No, it's just speaking of God being sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sometimes His appointments are for the judgments of these nations. Kings historically, have been mostly bad, kings typically are condescending when it comes to the people, on whose backs they ride. Aren't we all put off by the designation of royalty and commoner, (laughs) one of the things I never accepted even when I was born and raised in a British uh, commonwealth country, was the notion that these folks in England of Elizabeth's house, the house of Windsor, thought themselves to be royalty and folks like me, commoners. But I was far brighter in school than Charles and his siblings. On what basis are you called common, except this overbearing pretentiousness by this largely witless breed? Do we sit still for this stuff? That's the residue of church. That's what the harlot did. It's why I resist it, because in Western civilization in particular, all these made-up titles were conferred on kings by a harlot church. I am, by contrast, member of a royal priesthood the order of Melki, which means king, Zedek, which means king of righteousness, prince of peace, sar-shalom. If you are of Christ, your true identity is not that of a commoner. and Do not let a harlot define you that way. The harlot always wages war against the true bride. The true bride is the bride of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Nothing common there, nothing common or unclean. Do not let the harlot whisper in your ear and reject out of hand the designations of a harlotry because they are hypocritical, they are insincere, they are rubbish. As compared to Charles of England or even Elizabeth or or, um, uh, William, as compared to those who are hereditary kings, we of the house of God, we, of the body of Christ, the true body of Christ, we are the royal priesthood, royalty. Not some made up title by a harlot church, the church of the English people, coining the phrase, the divine right of kings, to curry favor so she may get baubles And crowns and may have titles and the appearance, the appearance of importance. It's this English church that shed the blood of the saints among all the churches of nations that cannot stand the true body of Christ. Historically, the persecution of the sons of God from the time of the establishment of the harlot and her consorting with kings, historically, to preserve her place, she has lied against, plotted against and acted to deceive The, uh, the kings to loose upon them persecutions. Why do we think pilgrims sailed to North America? Why do we think the Huguenots sailed to South Africa? Why do we think that in Europe there were migrations of the most faithful people at the time to new lands, leaving behind their homes and, and uh, their ancestral connections to these lands. Because the kings, in league with the harlot, persecuted the church. There has, When she stayed in the wilderness, she saw the opportunity To become, to earn the favor of kings by telling the kings they were more than God made them to be. The kings loved that because it gave them another way of beating the people with scorpions. To coin a phrase from the days of Rehoboam, the son of Solomon She has been paid well historically, this harlot. She has been paid well for shedding the blood of the saints, kings have paid her well. To this day, Putin pays Kirill very well, Putin being the leader of Russia, Kirill being the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. To this day, the king pays the harlot very well for justifying his bloodthirsty onslaught against a Ukrainian people who fortunately have the courage to fight back. This harlot is the nastiest of persons because she claims to represent the Lord but she drinks the blood of the saints and is the basis of all the perversion of human thought that has distorted and separated nations from their eternal destinies. I'll continue and we'll wrap up on this harlot, and we look at her, her, her collaboration with Kings when we come back. I'm Sam Solon. I'll see you then. Bye bye.